Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the African Five-A-Side podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest, one of my favorite people that covers African football. His name is Emin Amri. He's a journalist with Le Matin in Morocco, uh, and you can find his coverage uh, on Twitter, and I'm going to be linking his uh, profile below. Emin, thanks for joining me. Hi, Mahir. Good evening. Can't wait for the AFCON, man. (laughs) Same here, same here. And and the way we're doing these previews, we're breaking it down into five parts. Part number one is, I'm calling it State of the Union, which is basically, what is the general atmosphere with this Moroccan national team? Everybody was paying attention uh, one year ago when Morocco did, you know, the unexpected, what many people thought was the impossible and made it to the semifinal of the World Cup, first African national team to do so. What's happened since then, the, the year that's gone by after that? There was a prestigious friendly with Brazil. There were some impressive matches. There were some not so impressive matches. I'm thinking uh, South Africa, Ivory Coast. Yeah. What's the feeling uh, one year on? How do people feel about this Moroccan national team who haven't won an AFCON title since 1976? It's been a very long time. Well, I, I think it's uh, the mindset has uh completely shifted from the World Cup to, to right now. It was all joy and and happiness and accolades and stuff, but now it's more and more pressure. And I, I think it's it's not really unusual uh, when it regards the AFCON. It's always like that. We come from high hopes. We come from favorites, uh, auto-proclaimed favorites, and then a couple of weeks before the AFCON, we we start to feel, we start to sense the pressure. Everybody is just like that. And I can guarantee you that the players, uh, the coaches, even at the top level of the federation is always like that. And the fans feel that too. So I think what happened after the World Cup is that uh, we had something like three or four months where we were still up on the clouds, you know? We were still living what happened. We're still realizing. I know personally I needed a couple of weeks to just realize what had happened in in Qatar because it, it was so much in so little time that it, it, it was humanly impossible to, to just assess the situation and know what we did. And uh, what happened after the Brazil game, which was another layer of unprecedented uh, into this team and I think it was unproductive if I had to choose I wouldn't play Brazil uh, at this time it was kind of um, uh, like a prolonged state of euphoria which is very bad in football uh, and maybe you guys are the first example when you try to extract this euphoria you, you don't live uh, the present and that's very dangerous in football because it goes uh a thousand kilometers per hour so so you have to keep up with the with the rhythm and this showed a couple of months later with uh, Cap Vert which was something that you know was the the first smack then the second smack was losing against South Africa we try to explain that and to find excuses and say, well, you know, it's the end of the season. Uh, players are not so motivated. Uh, we've had a group of three instead of group of four. So we almost qualified before even playing. We played two games and we're, and we're almost qualified. So 
the motivation wasn't there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then uh, Cote d'Ivoire happened, and that friendly game was very important in my in my in my sense because it showed everybody if you don't keep up uh, your work ethics, your mindset, uh, your commando mindset, uh, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna suffer in in Sub-Saharan Africa, and I think it it was. Uh, as much as uh, Brazil was a bad idea, uh, good thing in the end because we, we won Brazil for the first time. As much as Cote d'Ivoire was an excellent idea, because it humbled everybody, yeah, exactly, Put everybody's feet on the exactly, ground, yeah. exactly. And to start with, we did the, the Greg, and there there was a shift in the mindset where Walid said, "Oh, hold on, <laughs> hold on a minute here." We're not favorites for the AFCON. We're gonna suffer. And I think everybody needed that. Players, Walid himself, and the fans. And I think this is the mindset that we're coming in in, in the for the AFCON with that that needed amount of pressure. I think everybody needs pressure uh, in the wake of such a great tournament. So, so let's talk tactics a little bit. And Walid Dergaragi, I looked over his record. He's been in charge for 18 matches. It's been a historic uh, reign on, on some parts, very successful in others for the most part. Uh, Walid Dergaragi, I think we can all agree, is a fantastic man manager. And he seems to understand the Moroccan spirit. He understands Moroccan players. He was a former international. Um, and, and, and when I look at, you know, there's one thing that I always had in my mind when I was watching Morocco go on this historic run and Morocco post the World Cup. Um, first of all, he plays a 4-3-3. He only played with five defenders once. That was against France in the semifinal where they lost. Um, he plays this 4-3-3. And in the world, during the World Cup, the times that Morocco had less possession of the ball, those were the matches that they won, where they were sitting back. They were very compact, very organized. It's not that they were... Pokémon defensive. That's not necessarily the case, but they were they knew what they were doing. They were sitting back and they were hitting on counterattacks and set pieces. And, and and even after the World Cup, I noticed like even the Brazil match, they had less possession. And I'm wondering how is this going to translate at the AFCON when they're going to have more possession of the ball? They're going to be monopolizing possession of the ball and they have to score goals. Can you talk to me about like all of these ideas? Uh, how do you think Morocco is going to fare on the ball, off the ball, uh, compared to maybe what we saw at the World Cup as well? Well, actually, it's a it's a it's a four one four one uh, rather than a four three three, and uh, it shows because you've got the back line with Saez, Agbert, Hakimi, and Mazraoui who's injured, and uh, you've got Sofiane Amrabat right before them as a sentinel, and then you've got um, uh, four players who are Unahi, Amlah, Ziyech, and Buffet. That was in the World Cup with Mseri as. Uh, as a as a head of the spear, but uh, what happened is that it all depends on your backline form. And what happened is that since the World Cup, says for example, went to to Saudi Arabia, he's got injured right before the game, uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, Agard is sick. I think he's got he caused a cold or something. Mazraoui has got a muscular injury. I don't think he's gonna make it for the for the Afghan. Or if he does make it, he's not gonna play the first, uh, the first or the first two games. So I think it's gonna be really um, 
uh, a, a potential for uh, you know trying to craft something into the tournament and from game to game uh what what annoys me a little was that Regragi didn't try to uh try something else just just try something else like we've been playing with the back four for I don't know how long maybe as long as I remember the national team of Morocco so what would have happened if we tried something like a back uh a back three or a back five like you said against friend it, it worked it kind of worked what happened is that the form and the injuries and stuff were uh, too much overwhelming uh in the in that context of a semi-final of a world cup but it kind of worked because france uh and didi edition was so clever that he didn't want the ball he scored that first goal with uh, lucas hernandez you know what take the ball and let me see what what we what we can do we actually uh, had to do something and we did some some offense uh we controlled kind of the ball but it was hard it was hard because you played uh the world champions uh the team that played the, the world cup final of all seen against and the team what did it so in the african uh, cup of nation context what happened is that you will play a lot of teams that will play in a false rhythm like are they congo they are congo they're very the expert in that false rhythm so what happens is that uh, you will have the intensity you will have the engagement but you will, you will have no rhythm so what happens is that you will definitely have to do the, the the game have to do the play you will have to set everything up uh, what worries me again is that we didn't try a lot of set pieces and which was paradoxical with what happened with Vahid, which was really bad to watch. Let's be honest, really bad team to watch, but it was solid. And we were very good in set pieces, corners, uh, uh, free kicks from, from, the, last, from, from the flanks, uh, they were very good. What happened is that I'm, I'm kind of bored by that 4-1-4-1 and kind of bored of the alternatives what happened if we got a good marksman on ZS Unahi or Hakimi we can't play on the on the left flank and it's and it worries me but I I know for a fact that Walid has got many many tricks up his sleeves uh I think everybody knew that with what happened with the, with that Casablanca and I think he's got uh, two or three surprises for for the AFCON. So let's wait and see. Let's talk about then, uh, will there be any surprises in the starting 11? Who do you think is going to be the starting 11? Is it going to be the same 11 that we saw at the World Cup? Obviously, you told me Mazarawi uh, has been injured recently, I believe, in the Champions League. Uh, we saw that Adam Messina was called up in the extended squad. Could he be a possible replacement? Will it be Atiyatullah? How do you see the probable 11 for Morocco, if you have to give an 11? Um, I, I think it's going to be the uh, the fact what was uh, what I was optimistic about says is that he 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 pulled out uh, of the game right before. So I think it was a security measure rather than 
something that was very serious. And also the club that not communicating gives me hope that there is nothing really serious about him. Maybe something about a week or something like that. So he's going to be fit. Even if it's not fit, I know the guy. He's, this is the guy that lost his grandfather during the AFCON in 2017 and insisted to play and he scored. So this is somebody that has motivation in the darkest places. I mean, even during the World Cup, he had a bad injury, right? And he was... Yeah. He was and it was an error. For me, it was an error. Yeah. It was an error for me. But it's yeah. not him that was pulling out and saying, I can't... He wanted to keep playing. Yeah, exactly. But there was... a great great risk but this is the world cup uh, i mean in the afcon you can manage uh in the world cup there's no way you can stop a player from from his will of playing unless he can't walk and uh yeah uh i think atayatullah is gonna is gonna play on the on the on the left instead of mazrawi bunu obviously is going to be the goalkeeper yeah, yeah. of course yeah okay. um i'm sofian amarabat uh, in the defensive midfielder, uh, uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Gediora. Do you remember the discussions we we have yes. had about yes. Gediora and yes. and his role? Very important player for Afcon. And, uh, I mean, for Afcon, yeah, you need a player like yeah, Marabat. Very, very important. Yeah, and then you you will have Unahi, which for me uh, started to to be a very good player playing the Afcon in Cameroon. With Vahid against Ghana, for example, he was very good. Uh, I mean, Lahbal depends really. It depends on on his uh, physical form. He just restarted player playing after the uh, the international stop in November. So, and he does not play in the same position as the national team because he's such a versatile player. He can play in, in, in all four positions of the midfield. And this is why I think it's very important to, to the national team. There you have two alternatives, uh, of whom uh, one could be a surprise, another one, no. For me, the surprise would be to play with Amin Harit because he's got that projection. Uh, he's very good. He plays a lot, combines a lot with. But Amir Harit, if he don't have the uh, technical striker, it's it's a shame because he's gonna he's gonna try to combine with him. And you have, if you have got Musiri, who is a more of a direct player, who needs more, uh, you know, crosses, high crosses, etc. It's going to be a waste of time to play with Harit. So I think the more logical choice would be Bilal Khanous to play in that position, attacking midfield. And then, of course, on the right flank, you will have Ziyech, uh, who is the kind of the opposition of what, what we've all been complaining about the players of our national team, which are who were very performing on their clubs and the underperforming in, in the national team. Ziyech is the, quite the opposite. He's very good in the national team, underperforming in, in his clubs. And uh, you've got Yusuf Nseri at the heart of the attack. And on the left, I think, I think it's going to be 
because it, he's been doing so very well in the last games. I think I mean Adli has got a chance to start uh, uh, on the left flank. And in Bayern Leverkusen, he plays sometimes on the left flank. He gives a lot. Instead of Buffer, who is naturally playing on the left wing, but he's been injured for quite a lot of time. He started, restarted playing, but again, it's not the same rhythm. So if you pick up uh, your phone, you're going to have to need more and more time than, for example, compared to a player who plays in the in the top flights in, in Europe. When you start even the, the first trainings with the group, you've got uh, a whole lot of intensity than playing in uh, in Qatar, for example. So I mean, for me, so it's going to be this. The starting 11 is not so different than the starting 11 from yeah. the World Cup. And I mean, no. Mazarawi might miss through injury. Like you say, Bufal is a mix-up between him and Al-Adli and, uh, yeah. and maybe Amalah. So, so it should be pretty similar. Um, just a quick, quick note on a striker like in the Siri. It feels like he can be hit or miss. Am I right to assume that? Like at times he can be in a super hot form and at times he can be freezing cold and it can be very frustrating. Uh, is there an alternative to Nasiri? Uh, are, do you feel confident going with him into a tournament? Now he has a lot of experience. He's been playing since 2017 in Afghans. Just a quick word about Nasiri, please. Nasiri is the constant. Let's be let's be simple and, and direct about him. Uh, Nasiri is the only player to score in, in three consecutive Afghans in two consecutive World Cups. So it's five majors when he scored. So absolutely starting with Nasiri. Whatever happens, what Nsiri needs it's is some competition, and he's got some competition. Maybe for the first time in his in his career in the, in the national team. So you've got Ayub Kadi, who's pretty much close to the cut, and could very well start a game uh, in the, in the group stage. And you've got Tarek Tisudeli, who is a whole different profile. Is more technical. Who missed the World Cup through Benzema. injury, but yeah, he exactly. Had a big role to play in the in qualifying Morocco to the World. And he's back now. He's back now. Even with Lagontoise, he's back. He's very good in the Conference League and uh, uh, and the Triple League. So uh, I think Tisudeli is gonna be uh, an alternative for both Nseri or Kabi, an alternative in the in the in the in the approach in the philosophy of the game. But Nseri is number one for me. Let's let's just take one tiny bit of his play, which is the defensive work. I would yeah. put inside every day, mm -hmm. every day, because it's he's pressing on the defenders, and it's very important. He's one of the the, the most hardworking players on this team. But sometimes, like I said, he needs competition. Okay, very good. Almost finished now. Our last two sections of this podcast. Who's the star player? I think. Two years ago, three years ago, it would have been an easy answer, and everybody said Ziyech. Um, Ziyech is getting on in his career now. Ashraf Hakimi has finished top three in African uh, Player of the Year. I thought Yassin Bounou should have been top three, in my opinion, yeah. uh, for African yeah. Footballer of the Year. Who's the who's the star uh, of this Moroccan national team, in your opinion? I, in my opinion, uh, it should be somebody like Onehi. But he's, he's very far from it. I mean, uh, he's, uh, he's a very good player, very talented player. But you know, Maher, it's it's the Northern Africans. 
we, we've always been like that. The genius ones are pretty much always the, the, Have the worst, craziest mm. ones. Mm. And, uh, and the least productive ones. And this is what, what, what he needs. He needs to be productive. He needs to take this charge of being the star and assume it. The day he's gonna uh, know that it's uh, gonna be a superstar. It's gonna be one of the best world players. This is what happened with so many players, but I can't think of just one. Uh, it would be Adil Farad. He knew he was a star when he was uh, over 30 years old. So I, I really don't want Unahi to be in this case because he's got everything to be a superstar. He, he just he just didn't find the, the way. So who is because the star if it's not Unahi? I, I think it's Hakimi. Hakimi because yeah. in terms of regularity and playing at the top level for the last five or six years, um, nobody did that better than, than, than Hakimi. Maybe Bruno, but Bruno also had some moments of doubts. But Hakimi has been doing this at the very top since 2017, 2018. So I think it's the start of, of, of this team. Can, can Morocco rely on him to come up in big moments? I remember, um, I think in Cameroon, I mean, some of those, it was a free kick, yeah, that he scored. Um, and he, at times, twice <laughs> a right back, a right back is at times yeah. carrying the team. Is he still capable yeah. of doing that, you know, as a star player? Yeah, I think I think he's, he's even getting better because with Luis Enrique, uh, he manages to to go deep and to leave that that right flank uh, to to somebody who is uh, more capable of crossing. Because one of the the least uh, good aspects of Hakimi's play is the running and crossing, it, which is paradoxical because uh, he's a right back. And right backs, you know, when you think right backs, you think Dani Alves, you think Maicon, you think Cafu, all those players who were very good at running and then crossing high. And this is the kind of place that we need because we've got, obviously, from Serie, you've got players coming in from behind. So what happened is that Luis Enrique saw that and understood that. And instead of insisting uh, on Hakimi to go all the way to the back line and, and cross and maybe not getting the results we, he wanted. What he said is that, you know what? Leave that flank to Dembele, for example, in, in PSG and go deep, go deep, try to shoot, try to combine with Mbappe, Vitinha, etc. So I think this uh, happens also in the national team. What happens is that uh, he leaves the flank or the extreme flank to Hakim Ziyech because he can cross with his left foot. He can, you know, dribble and cross with his left foot. And Hakimi can combine with players like Unahi, uh, even Amrabat, sometimes Harit, if you have, you have got him. And what happened is that Hakimi, with the passing of time, is evolving. And maybe, uh, I'll just say, maybe Hakimi can, uh, is going to be a midfielder in the next three or four years. Wow, because that's an interesting. Because it's take. so good. 
because he's so good. You remember Lam, for example? You remember yeah, yeah. Javier Zanetti, Yo Joshua for Kimmich. This is, yeah. yeah, exactly. This is the typology of players that are so good that it's a shame to leave them on the, on the flag. Yes, they're really good, but with the passing of time, of course, the physicality is not going to be able to, to follow that rhythm and that intensity on the flank. So I think it's going to play more of, a, of an eight or a six. Or, and it's going to be give uh, other solutions to, to the team. Okay. Uh, last section of the podcast is who is a player that's going to emerge that we don't know about? Is it somebody like Adli who joined the national team recently? Is it uh, somebody like everybody's talking about this uh, young prospect that Lance Al Ainawi uh, yeah. is? Is it Al Khanous who you say could yeah. be a starter? Uh, who do you think could be somebody that could emerge like this? They don't have to be a young player forcibly, but somebody that we don't know. Maybe Tisudali. Who 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 would it be in your opinion? Well, for, for me, in in the defense, in the defense, uh, I, I think it's finally uh, the opportunity for somebody like Yunus Abdul Hamid. Who hasn't uh, who oh, hasn't been for those yeah. that don't know, how old is Yunus Abdul Hamid? He's 36 years old. He's, he's one of he's the oldest players, but he's one of the most consistent players, too. Yes. Yeah. For the last four years in league. Uh, I think the first game was actually last week that he missed, and for something personal. So for four years he's been playing at Stade de Reims regularly every time every time and he's got uh almost every time he's uh he's got the best notes of of the game he scores so a lot I think of it's, important goals too from yeah, set yeah. pieces so it's uh, i think it's very fair for somebody like you and to have to have an opportunity during this afcon the second one is Hanus. absolutely right about that the third one is Maybe, maybe if he's if he does uh, if he goes on the trip, Osama Azuzi as a defensive midfielder at Bologna, uh, was very good. Uh, why is he very good? Because he's different from Sofia Namrabat because he carries the ball. Sofia Namrabat will do an excellent job uh, recuperating and playing with the uh, the simplest way, but Azuzi is gonna be is going to come from behind and play and combine and shoot. And he's very good. And he's coached by Tiago Mota. This is something, you know, where, when you're coached by somebody who has been a star in your position, it's always very good. And these and are then, all names that, sorry to cut you off, are names that we could see in the new maybe Moroccan generation. Names like yeah. Azuzi, Khanous, uh, Bushoari, Emir yeah. Richardson. There's a, a, yeah. a really talented crop of young players that are ready to take the mantle in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 I think uh, maybe it's uh, it's my 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 dilemma is that yeah. I want to make this transition. Want to see it now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I want them to succeed with the national team. I want the national team to succeed in Cote d'Ivoire. But then again, I know. Uh, in Morocco, we say harko, which is uh, watching is when you play a younger player, a very young player, uh, in a, in a, when you have so much at stake, and sometimes you you're gonna burn this player, like we say in Morocco. So I want them to play, but at the same time, I don't want them to face the pressure and face the scrutiny 
because we have maybe the the best fans when it's all going well <laughs> but maybe the worst fans <laughs> when it goes south <laughs> and I, I don't want them to be exposed to that because for me what's more important is not the afghan in cote d'ivoire okay let's be very good there let's show what we can do maybe try to reach the final but for me the most important is 2025 and yeah. more that's Daruri. It has Morocco has to win. It that has trip. to it's, be. Yeah. You have to be uh, ready in every aspect: organizational, team, sporting, fans, everything. Okay. And before we leave, if I, if you had to make a prediction, do you think <laughs> Morocco is going to make it to the final four? Uh, maybe the quarterfinals. What do you think is the is the realistic expectation? Your objective analysis for this team. I think I think the final four is very realistic objective for this team because uh, talent we've got talent we've got staff technical very good technical stuff uh, uh, we've got team uh, we've got all the conditions because we're playing in Cote d'Ivoire Cote d'Ivoire is uh, is a very let's say between brackets a very friendly country for Morocco there's a lot of Moroccans there. The, big huge diaspora I've been there in 2017 and people there love Morocco and Moroccans there are many 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 of them uh, living there so I think the conditions are there uh, it's the best way to confirm what happened in Qatar but then again I, I know for a fact that it's going to be very very hard um, especially uh, when you know in that group, uh, even if you go first, you have absolutely to have uh, somebody like Tunisia or Egypt starting the, the last 16 or even in the quarterfinal. So I, I think it's going to be hard, but it's going to be fair. Because for me, this is the best AFCON technique. Every team on this AFCON is going to be ready. Um, let me just give you a prediction. I don't think there will be a team winning all of three group stage games. Ah, I like that this prediction, my actually. prediction. That's actually very outcome. interesting. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. And, and I agree with you. I think, you know, there's a, a good eight to 10 teams that are really hitting their stride and that I think are going to be confident going into this tournament. So yeah. it's going to be, I think, one of the best outcomes that we've ever seen. Uh, I mean, uh, we're going to stop for yeah. now. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you liked what you heard from Amin, which I'm sure you did, uh, please go follow him. His his All his social media is going to be in the description below. And uh, yeah, we'll keep it locked in on this YouTube page because we're going to keep doing uh, AFCON previews team by team, all 24 teams uh, over the coming days. Peace.